0: How's it going everybody? My name is Austin and good morning to everybody on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and Twitter. That is the place that you can see us live and in, in the webcam. You can also text us. We have a text number if you have any disagreements or if you just want to chat at 833 262 Jeez. One more time that is eight three three two six two six four three one if you have any disagreements or feedback yes, if you have any prayer, we are very more than willing to pray for you and i'm uh, i'm I'm willing to do it on on cam as well just to make that kind of a thing where we pray for um people that would text in or comment in um that would actually I think texting in would probably be the best and then make sure you subscribe and comment on any one of our YouTube videos um to enter into our apostles attic t-shirt giveaway i'm going to try to work on um a faithful dialogues t-shirt that way you can support us that way and rep
1: our <laughs> faithful dialogues brand um and yeah all i'm right. excited then... to see uh... <clears throat> yeah i'm excited to see what comes out of the apostles attic there <laughs>
0: <laughs> me too me too um, did you have anything that you wanted to say before we do the uh, gospel message run?
1: Uh, yeah, just uh, check out my own personal stuff over at org. Uh, I have a channel called As It Is Written on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all those different places. So check that out. And uh, yeah, just make sure you check out uh, Austin's stuff over at Apostles Attic. Uh, so he, he's got a bunch of cool shirts and stuff over there and trying to grow that store. So he's trying to make, you know, trying to spread that as far and wide as we can. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got for us. Uh, we, what, what, where are we going next with us, Austin? All right, we're going to do the gospel message. So, um, in the, in
0: the context of faith, I, um, we got a little bit of feedback on some of our videos where people basically disagreed with the Christian faith as a whole. So I kind of just wanted to urge you to put your faith in something. Um, even if, So your faith is what you believe in. And if you don't believe in any kind of like religious type faith or anything like that, then you're essentially putting your faith in, (laughs) I would put it nothing, or science and men. And so kind of if a lot of times people will believe in evolution and the Big Bang theory, and the evolution is a theory, and Big Bang is a theory. They're both not proven, and you're kind of having to take a leap of faith in science and what people are saying about that to kind of believe that you know our universe started with one collective mass and it exploded and it went everywhere into the universe and stuff like that and so that's basically something that you're putting your faith in if it's not jesus christ and what i wanted to urge everybody is to look into this for yourself read the new testament read the gospels and put your faith into jesus christ because That's where the Bible says your eternal salvation lies is through the the death of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel message essentially is the good news that the Jewish Messiah or the Christ has come. He laid his life down as a willing sacrifice to pay for all of our sins. And he died on a Roman crucifix, a Roman cross. He was buried in a tomb and then rose three days later. And that resurrection was a sign that his sacrifice was accepted by God. And so if we put our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we have a promise that we have eternal life in heaven and we will spend the our our eternity in heaven and so that's why I, i would urge everybody to put their faith in jesus christ and not science and not men because it's again an unproven theory the the big bang and all that kind of stuff and so you might not consider yourself somebody that worships something but you ultimately do you ultimately are putting faith and worship go hand in hand so if you're if you're putting your faith in um i i do believe that science um says that you know big bang theory is true then that's what you're putting your faith in and so it's you have you have an un you have an unproven scientific theory and then you have faith in god and so basically that's your choice and so i want i would urge everybody to choose to put their faith into jesus christ because just like the thief on the cross you're promised to be in paradise with him and so Amen.
1: yep that is the the gospel message put your faith in jesus christ and you will have eternal life Absolutely. That's uh, such an important message these days. And, uh, you know, another thing that I like to talk about as well, for those of you who already are Christians, who are joining us for this conversation, uh, I just want to make sure that you know that you are a priest. And uh, you can see that in Revelation 1-6. And what that means is that you have certain responsibilities to go out and to minister to your community, to spread the gospel, to share that with your friends and your family and those people that you interact with on a daily basis. and so you know I just want to urge everybody to go out and do that that's that's the number one thing that's why Austin and I are here having these dialogues and uh yeah so just uh go live up to your uh, responsibility as a priest I'm I'm doing my best too and we're trying to work that out right
0: <laughs> yeah if you're
1: a christian and you've
0: never um spoken to anybody about the gospel give it a try it was really awkward for me at first but now I've gotten the hang of it and it's not so awkward for me to just kind of you know let people know hey if you, know, if you put your faith in Jesus you, you know you'll have
1: eternal life and you will go to heaven that's what he promises so <laughs> amen yep and uh you know just just kind of on the whole uh, science thing versus you know belief in in God you wouldn't have your kid use a textbook for, a science textbook from 50 years ago and if you and in another 50 years you wouldn't have your kid use a science book textbook from today because they're constantly changing. We, our understanding of the world is continually evolving. What we what doesn't change and what's unchangeable is the Bible and the Word of God, and what God said then uh, thousands of years ago is still true today. And you can go and you can look up all the different prophecies, all the different science found in the Bible, and you'll see that it is completely consistent, hasn't changed, and actually what we've found is that science... Uh, has proven a lot of the things that the Bible claims. So, yeah, I've been looking at some of the archaeology stuff that's going on in Israel, and they're
0: they're digging up stuff that's like basically aligning with the Bible, even even the time periods. There, I think there was like, I'm not sure if it was a coin or something, but they basically found something about Pilate being governor around the time mm-hmm. that the the what was it Tiberius was Caesar or something like that, and um, yeah, it it aligns with the timeline of right when Jesus was there. And um, Jesus was a real person. No no scholar denies that. The issue is Jesus made claims about himself and that's what we have to look at and analyze. And he, he, he said he was, um, not in those words, but he was basically claiming to be the Messiah and proved mm-hmm. it by all of the hallmarks of the miracles that he was doing, uh, making yep. the blind see, making the lame walk. Um... Uh, what was it uh, raising the dead and preaching the good news to everybody there was a so he he did all of the things that the messiah was supposed to do it was really unfortunate that the jewish people at the time couldn't see that or most of them couldn't see that i remember the account when um the the man who was healed of his sight comes in front of the pharisees and they were, and he's like um he, uh when has anybody before um or nobody has ever healed anybody of the of their their blindness so how do you not know who this is it was it was just funny so mm-hmm. um,
1: well and yeah and like like you were saying they're they're constantly finding uh new things in israel that confirm what the bible says so actually two weeks before i landed in israel uh they were doing some excavations at a place called caesarea maritime which was a city that was built by king herod <clears throat> and uh literally two weeks before I landed, they discovered the jail cell that uh Paul had been kept in when he was a prisoner there, and so nice. like they're constantly finding things that confirm what the Bible says to be true, you know, so that happened that was a real thing that happened two thousand years ago, and we've actually gone and found the jail cell that this guy was kept in that then went and is likely the the one who uh is our great 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 grandfather in the faith right like if you go back far enough basically every gentile can probably trace their faith to to paul so wow that's really cool (laughs) yeah and so it's it's really incredible just getting to be in israel and and see the real places where jesus was and where all these biblical figures were it's uh it's a trip so yeah I'm I'm sure connecting with the
0: Bible on a physical level in that way is like it just probably does
1: something to you. I'd really like to experience that at some point. <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. And uh yeah, we'll uh yeah. So um but yeah, it, it's it's just cool seeing that the history is real. Like you can go and you can see the places that are talked about in the Bible in reality. It's it's just it's a trip. So all right, we can uh we can move on from my little uh Israel moment there I guess I have some pictures to show where, where are we at in our uh... we're going to do um AIIW and then proverbs after this or actually okay.
0: PGI after this okay cool uh yeah did you want to bring that are you bringing that up
1: now oh the P- uh the PGI, you no know, the the Israel stuff or do you want to move on into the oh yeah I I sorry Miscommunication here. Yes, I have some Israel stuff and let me bring it up so you guys can If you're see listening it. on there one we of go. the
0: podcast websites, you can check into the pictures that we're showing by going to um where we're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch Kick, and
1: Twitter. Yep. So and you'll be able to see the video on demand, uh on all those places. Uh and so yeah, uh, can you see Can you see my screen there, Austin? I can. So this first picture it's one of the first ones I took in Israel, and it is of the Sea of Galilee. that's basically from my hotel. and Man, uh, look at that water. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. one of the one of the first things I did was I got to go and just jump right on into that water uh, right after we got there. So well, that's nice. during the day. Uh, here's this is literally my hotel room uh, at night. Oh, uh, that's so- nice. Cool picture of the Sea of Galilee. So this is where uh, all the disciples who were fishermen would have been fishing and uh, all that kind of stuff. Lots of biblical stories happened around the Sea of Galilee. I think it actually pops up in uh, our John reading for today. Um, So I can't remember what site this was, but uh, this is a baptismal pool uh, from the 3rd century uh, A.D., and so it lets is... you have your feet and lean back, I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, people were also a lot smaller. Uh, it also might have been made uh, for children, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Uh, so I think it's just that people were smaller, and so they physically could have fit in that small little, <laughs> oh, wow. in that small little tub. Um, so here's uh, Pastor Joe. He's the one who led the trip. Uh, he lived in Israel for about a year and a half he's uh, given us a little sermon uh, where Jesus fed the 5,000. So you can see behind him the Pope is blessing his sermon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so one of the things you'll find uh, if you ever get to Israel uh, is that if it's a cool site where Jesus was, there is a Catholic church that got stuck over the top of it. Um, and so yeah, uh, this was just a spot where Joe could kind of preach from and we could all kind of sit and, and listen to him. So that was, that was good. Uh, and then here is a synagogue from, I believe, the third uh, sometime. At, I'm not sure what when it was from, but this is the synagogue. Uh, so I believe that there was a biblical story that happened in this specific synagogue, but I can't remember uh, exactly. Uh, so here are some sheep and goats, and this is at a uh, place called um, Nazareth Village. And so uh, what they did here is they kind of recreated a first century uh, farm uh, or and uh, kind of like life experiences of somebody that lived at that time. And so they had a bunch of actors uh, that were acting out different scenes and kind of giving you a, a feel for what, what it would have been to live at that time uh, there. So that was one of my favorite experiences was just kind of getting to walk around nazareth village and see kind of where you know that's where jesus would have grown up and this would have been a lot of you know what he would have experienced so he wouldn't have been directly on like the farm part of it but he would have definitely been in and around farms and gone and helped out the cousin that needed you know help with whatever that sort of thing so are are those people um messianic
0: jews by any chance or they just kind of jews that are doing like a tourist attraction
1: so uh my understanding, I, when I walked into the building, it had a YMCA, uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh the plaque out front, and so YMCA actually stands for Young Men's Christian Association, I believe, and oh, so well, I uh, I, I this is an act- this is actually a uh, Protestant uh thing in Israel, which is very rare. Very few things are are actually ran by uh, Christian Protestants. Um, and so I, I believe that they're, a, a, they're their own, like, foundation, a Christian foundation there. So these are, a lot of these people are uh, volunteers from around the world. It's a way where you can go and spend a couple months in Israel and, like, kind of live there and have a reason to be there rather than, you know, try. Because they won't let you just go, like, live in Israel for any reason. You have to have specific business that you're doing in order yeah, to like stay work there. Yeah, a visa or something basically yeah and they're very strict about that kind of stuff cuz they they really don't want you over there spreading the gospel like that's the last thing that they want anybody doing is is you know messing things up with their religious uh like dynamics so what there there is a couple
0: um israeli people that have converted to christianity who actually reside there and are going around street preaching and stuff and i thought that was super cool so yeah. we definitely got to pray for those people and their spreading of the gospel because
1: they're doing God's work over there man. <laughs> Amen. Well, and it's it's easier if you are Jewish, right? Uh because you have a a legal right to be there. As a as an American, you know, Gentile Christian, I have no right to be there at all, right? And so Yeah they can just kick me out and tell me that I can never come back for whatever reason they want, basically. Oh, man. At least they allow people,
0: Christians, to come and do their thing, even if it's not, like, directly spreading the gospel. At least you can still do somewhat of a pilgrimage over there and check out all the sites, and they're not just like, nope, no Christians. Well, they really want your money. (laughs) Uh, That's another question. Do you know what the exchange rate was? Like, was your money more valuable there, less
1: valuable? Um... So the, there is uh, so there's two things in that question. Uh, so I I have a, a background in economics, and um, there's what the direct exchange rate is. So the exchange rate for dollars to uh, NIS, and that stands for New Israeli Shekel, uh, is th- was about three point six when we were there. And so for every dollar, I could turn that in and get three point six Israeli shekels. Um, wow, that's so, actually good. You know, uh, I mean, it it, it all depends on how much you can buy in the country with that amount of money. So it's hard for me to determine if that was or if that is or isn't a good exchange rate because, you know, I'm in all the tourist areas, and so everything is just marked up for tourists. So, like, I would pay, you know, there were certain shops that were charging, like, 11 shekels for a water, which is, like, $3 for a big bottle of water. And then you go around the corner to the, like, actual local uh, corner market-type place, and they're selling it for three shekels, which is slightly less than a dollar. So, Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's the exact same bottle. One's for tourists, one's for, for locals. So that's, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, Does everybody speak English? Oh, yeah. There, there was never a point where I needed to speak another language, though there are always going to be people in the background yelling and talking, you know, Behind, talking in front of your face, but behind your back, using a different language, right? Like Hebrew is yeah. the next is the next most common, at least in the areas that we were in. Um, I would assume Bethlehem, the most common, would be Arabic because that's part of the Palestinian Authority territory. Uh, but yeah, oh, wow. so uh, yeah, so that that's just a few more pictures. Again, I'm still trying to get a uh, an actual presentation going it's just i got a lot of stuff that's going on i'm starting a new job and do other things so yeah still working on that (laughs) all right well i'll be praying for your job (laughs) thank you thank you yeah all right so now
0: we are going to talk about an article from pacific justice institute if you want to go and check them out they are uh, i believe at uh, pgi.org i'm not hold on
1: uh, yeah.
0: yeah, just like a Pacific Justice Institute, they're they're um they're a Christian firm that defends legal issues that have to do with um, Christianity. And so like a lot of times, if something happens where um, your your religious freedoms are infringed upon or anything like that, then they will represent your case. And I'm assuming it's for free, from what I've heard on like the radio and different different things like that. So they're really they're really on top of the um, the religious activism and just making sure that we have a voice and making sure that we're not getting, um, you know, removed from conversation or just anything like that. So they're they're a really good group. I'm really glad they're doing what they're doing, and it makes it a whole lot. It, it feels like someone's got
1: your back when uh, when uh, there's legal issues going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> definitely, definitely. And uh, you know, I've I've been supported by different organizations like these and it's it's definitely nice knowing that somebody's got your back when you're going out on a limb and and doing something a little bit uh dangerous so yeah these organizations are are a godsend um so uh did you want to read it or did you want me to
0: i can read it um okay let's so what we have here is that the headline says parents could face jail time for sending two emails school staff don't like critics sound alarm on california bill and i'm gonna go ahead and read now um california has all has undermined the rights of parents from out of state when it comes to experimental transgender health care but the legislature also is considering a bill that would criminalize causing substantial disorder at school board meetings an attempt to chill parents from speaking out, critics warn. S- Senate Bill five nine six, which the California State Senate passed on May thirtieth of oh eight. No, no, no. It's, it, that...
1: It, yeah, that is. Uh, that's the vote tally. August? So it was it was passed oh. thirty to eight. Oh, um, so there were thirty we votes need... for eight against. Yeah, that's it's crazy how small the assembly is.
0: Yeah, and we also need more people who have good values and our Christian to come and be a part of these these meetings because our vote really matters and if we don't get involved the world's going to get involved and we're just going to get like just bulldozed over if we don't have people that are standing up for what they believe in because I, I guarantee you a lot of parents agree that they should be able to go to PTA meetings and speak out on issues but they're not actually getting involved so if your kid is going to a school I mean first of all just take your kid out of public school but if you're if your kids are at a school and you that is public and receiving funding from the government. You should get involved and know what they're teaching your kid. You should ask your kid what they're teaching them, and you should go to PTA meetings. You should be as involved as humanly possible in the affairs of what your children are being educated so, on.
1: Yeah, so th- this is even more insidious than PTA meetings. So, th- this is the actual school board. So, there is an official government organization that is c- called the school board that you elect the members of and they're trying to say that you can't go before this board and upset those people. Right? Oh, like get that's out of here. it's even it's even worse than that. You cause you and I, I originally said assembly uh, this was in the senate. So Senate Bill 596 uh which was passed in May um says uh the state law bars adults from subjecting a school employee to harassment. And so uh, and it expands what a school employee is to also include the school district. And, and so th- this won't stand up to... Uh, there, there are specific uh, uh, amendments in the to the Constitution that cover this, right? Like the First Amendment, we have a right to petition the government for a redress of our grievances. And so in order for me to be able to do that, I have to be able to go before this board. and And so there's a whole there's a whole host of of attacks that will be launched against this bill and they should be successful though it will take years to get through and and the real problem is it's it, it is just trying to get parents to sit down and shut up right now that's that's the only goal for this bill they know it won't hold up to uh, legal scrutiny they, like it's completely illegal i have every right to go before a school board and say whatever i want just like uh if you're on if you're on the street and a cop walks by you you can do you can say whatever you want to them i i you should be respectful but you have every legal right to say absolutely anything you want to them as long as you're not calling for you know direct harm to come to them right like you can cuss out a cop you can flip them off again i'm not saying as a christian we should do this and i've never done that nor would i but you have every legal right to and so i have every legal right to go to the school board and yell at them for, you know, trying to trans my children all day long. I have every right to do that. You're the one that signed up to be in an elected position. So you, sh- you have to be able to, I have to be able to go to that elected official and be able to, to express my grievances as seriously as, as, as possible. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever looked up a city council meeting, but whoo, they get
0: intense. The people mm-hmm. that show up to those, they let them have it, and they have every. It's basically just a roast fest. It's one person after another just laying into these uh city council people for like the uh, bills that they pass and the things that they do.
1: It's well, it it, it 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 can be over silly, you know, seemingly silly stuff, but. You know, people don't want that left turn signal being put in to go into their residential area because it's going to increase traffic. And now I got people driving by my house at 4 a.m. and honking their horn. So people get real upset with like city officials and, and those kinds of things. And of course, when you're dealing with children and especially today, when you're dealing with the issues that we are as a society where we're, trying to turn our children from boys into girls and girls into boys like those get heated. And so that's, that's where this is coming from. And, and this is all part of a, of a coordinated attack by the Democrats on parents. What we see is that the FBI uh, last year, the year before uh, decided to, um, uh, to classify parents at school board meetings as like basically the same as terrorists <laughs> yeah For so they words. were like yeah so but because you because these parents were going before school board meetings and getting heated the fbi was starting to look into them essentially under the same rules that they would a terrorist group and it's it's completely insane yeah the fbi is just a weaponized
0: department in my opinion it it's whatever your feelings are about it it's what one thing i thought was super interesting is one of the uh candidates that are running for president uh, Vivek Vivek Ramashwamy is basically saying he wants to dissolve the FBI and put those employees into different um a- areas and stuff and his reasoning was was basically that it's um it's no longer um a neutral government thing it's like a very politicized weaponized uh, arm of the government to basically bully people and investigate Mm -hmm. issues that are weird and like, just like this, you know what I
1: mean? Yep. Well, what's, what's crazy is you look into the history of the, the man who started it, J Edgar Hoover, Uh, the FBI building today is called the J Edgar Hoover building. Um, So he created this organization with the express intent of using it to blackmail his enemies. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, like that wasn't some side project thing he got into years later after creating the FBI. No, he like immediately once he had the authority to create a, an organization that would ultimately become the FBI, he created it and started using it for blackmailing. And he he was just a huge like creep. So I, I recommend people look into him. Um, the, the these organizations at the federal level are just a complete. Uh, abomination at this point so you know you go back to 1776 or technically 1789 when the constitution's ratified you go back to at that point our founding fathers we didn't have as many people in the country as we have in the federal government today okay like (laughs) it's insane the the crazy numbers of bureaucrats that we have and so you know, you, you look at our federal government, we didn't even have, they didn't even have the ability to raise an income tax until, I think, 1913. And so, you know, it couldn't possibly have been proportionally as big back then as it is today. We, it, it had basically none of the employees. Like, it, it, so, you know, we need to, what Vivek wants to do is he wants to cut the entire federal, federal bureaucracy by 75% by the end of his, his first four years,
0: yeah, and so you're gonna see people, um, super attacking this guy because he actually has a good idea to
1: actually fix something, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and and but and the problem is today he's talking about firing millions of people, and so that's you know, who doesn't have an uncle or a brother or a cousin or an aunt that's employed by. The federal government or by some form of of some level of government, right? It's hard. Like, do you say the quiet part out loud or do you just wait until you get elected?
0: Right. Like, I don't know, (laughs) but he's being one one thing I've just noticed is he's being very forthcoming about his intentions and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really it's really interesting, like that he would open himself up to that type of attack.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I just want to be clear. I do think he is a little bit. It's not shady, but he he is a little bit coy with uh his his religious beliefs. So he is he's a Hindu, but he is some kind of an interesting version of Hindu that uh believes in one single god, somehow or in some kind of a creator god in addition to all the other gods. I'm not sure exactly what his beliefs are and so he'll start his tweets like he'll tweet a, a whole list of truths and it'll it'll be the number one is that god is real and so i i think what he's doing is he's trying to i wouldn't necessarily say the word trick but he's trying to confuse people into thinking that he might be a christian because i had to do some deep like googling to figure out what his exact religious beliefs are so i I do want to preface everything we talk about with this guy with the fact that he's a Hindu and but he's kind of odd about the way he explains that.
0: Yeah, I've heard him talk about um, he was on some kind of thing where he said something, something that's not, you know, expressly sinful and, you know, it's a Christian thing. And then he was like um, something about um, um, the stream paused. And then he was saying something about he was talking about the the book of Exodus. And Moses and and um, like leaving Egypt and stuff like that. So he'll he'll even reference the Bible and stuff. So that that makes it even more confusing. Mm-hmm. You
1: know? Yeah. So I just you know I I don't want our viewers to be confused as to who he is. I like a lot of his policies, but I don't support him from a, a religious perspective, of course. But the you know and then another question that's cropped up because of him is, can you vote for someone who doesn't claim to be a Christian? And and my belief is. Absolutely. I think that Vivek Ramaswamy is is one of the most, you know, honest people to run for office because he doesn't claim to be a Christian. He doesn't claim that, you know, he's been saved by the blood of Christ. Right. And so, you know, Barack Obama claimed to be a Christian. Do we really believe that Barack Obama believes in the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Like, probably not. Do I think Clinton did? Probably not. Do I think George W. Bush did? Probably not, you know. If you so, don't, like,
0: if you don't like say the name Jesus Christ, I have a red flags all, all over me. If uh, you really can't just say the name Jesus Christ, like you just keep saying God, 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 God. Like, do you know what I mean? That's who's your God? Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. kind of, it's kind of how I look at that. And if you're if you're open enough to
1: recognize Jesus Christ, then then you're going a step further in that way. But I I think that there, what my point is is that there's a lot of uh, American politicians who claim Christ who aren't Christian at all, like, so, I would much prefer to vote for Vivek because at least I know he's not claiming Christ and then not being a Christian in any way, shape, or form. Like, I can. Oh, I see. Does that make sense? Because that's yeah. a that's a question that I've been getting from people is like, so can you vote for someone who isn't a Christian for president? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I will vote for someone all like that's my only options are to vote for people who aren't christians basically like i don't i don't think donald trump really is a christian i don't think he's put his his faith and trust in jesus christ the the way that you would need to in order to be saved i think he puts his faith and trust in himself a lot but you know i i would say that for all the presidents i don't think any president in my lifetime has been actually a, a saved born again christian even though they would claim it yeah so, yeah, you just got to hope that they um, have policies that build America
0: up and protect religious freedoms, protect the Constitution, protect the Second Amendment stuff, all the stuff that we actually care about and believe in that, you know, make this country unique and different, you know
1: what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And so that's, that's my point. I'm going to vote for the candidate that has the most godly positions, uh, you know, on, on different things, right? Who's going to make the most godly government, right? And, uh, you know, as a as a government, we shouldn't be, you know, murdering our children. So I'm going to vote for the person that's going to not be murdering children, right? Like, that's just how that's going to go. Yeah, and I saw somebody talking about basically
0: um, the reason why we're standing up for a lot of different uh, views from a religious standpoint is we don't want, you know, God's judgment to come down on our country because we're a country that advocates for you know the killing of children in the womb and when we allow that to take place it we're we're, our country's gonna be judged and have issues and we're gonna fall and so if we're allowing this stuff to take place then we're and we're complacent in the issue then we're ultimately responsible so we that's why we have to do everything that we can to make sure that uh, our our viewpoints and our values are being accurate accurately represented and actually put forth you know so that that's one of the biggest issues why we we would say you know fight for like uh, abortion or sorry fight against abortion is um we we don't want to be a country that's laws are allowing or even promoting the killing of uh, innocent children because yep. we we just value life to such a such a degree that um you know every every person every human being is made in the image of God even children that haven't been born yet you know
1: so absolutely and, and you know you look at at how Roe v Wade got overturned it was because a president who doesn't act at all like a Christian got elected and then pushed by Christians to appoint supreme court justices that ultimately overturned Roe v Wade right like so you know you can vote for someone who doesn't have the most godly life, or, or even profess, you know, Christ, and then there can still be a godly outcome from that, and and so that's that's kind of the point I want to make is just like you have to vote for the person who's going to have the most godly outcome, who's got the most godly uh, uh, platform that they're running on, and at this point, by default, the Democrats their their they're platforms of the devil, right, murdering babies. Uh, Transing your kids, all that kind of stuff is part of their party platform at this point, whereas Republicans, it's not great, but it's not that bad, you know? Yeah,
0: it's it's really tough. There's a lot of people that have left the Democratic Party because they are just going in a direction that old school democrats just can't get behind anymore it's not about america anymore it's not about unions anymore it's not about working anymore it's not about creating jobs anymore it's not about any of that anymore so
1: yeah so All and right, we, we should uh, we got to be uh just to kind of fi- finish this up we got to be praying for california what happens here in california will go and, and infect the rest of the country uh, that's That's just the way that it is. Uh, People want to think that you can move to Iowa or Nebraska or some podunk state from California, and that's protecting your kids from, you know, what this this state wants to do to them. The problem is, in two, three, four, five years, your state's going to have those exact same laws unless they're struck down and fought here in California. So, just be praying for matters. mm -hmm. Yeah, And, and just be praying for 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 everybody here in California as we fight against this stuff. uh You know, it's, it's, it's a long slog. It's tough every single day having to get up and, and think about these crazy new laws that are coming down the pike. So for all those people that are, are fighting it, I'm, I'm very appreciative.
0: Yeah. All right. Let me, let me jump back into that paragraph. Senate bill 596, which the California Senate passed in May at a 30 to eight vote would expand the state's law that bars adults from subjecting, quote a school employee to harassment the bill now making its way to the floor of the lower chamber the California State Assembly would expand the definition of school employee to cover any employee or official of a school district charter school and county or state education board or office the bill would also the bill also would outlaw as a misdemeanor actions that cause substantial disorder at a school board meeting the law proposed in the golden state doesn't define substantial disorder and its definition of harassment leaves broad room for interpretation under the proposal californians who violate the pro the provision face a fine of five hundred to a thousand dollars a year in county jail or both a second offense would mean mandatory jail time and could involve another fine a third offense would mean more jail time and perhaps a third fine it's cl- it, Quote, it's clear they're trying to chill parents from speaking out. Sarah Parshall Perry, a senior le- legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation, Foundation's Edwin Meese, the third center for legal and judicial studies, told The Daily Signal on Wednesday. And so it's it's really it's really. Basically, they're just broadening up harassment and they're broadening up substantial disorder. And they're basically going to say, because what I've seen in a lot of these school board meetings and different things like that um, is parents will take a book out of the school's library, bring it into the the, the school board meeting and read it to these people. And in reading the stuff that they allow kids to just openly access these people start hitting the gavel and talking over them and basically saying, like, sir, stop, sir, stop. And they're, like, trying to stop them from reading to either other parents and, pe- and people online and these people the appalling things that are going on in mm-hmm. these books. The the content in these books are horrific. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard anything like this, but it's very sexualized adult content that is being given to essentially nine-year-olds and it's 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 just really gross that we can't let (laughs) parents talk to their kids about sexuality and and different um subjects as far as that goes that we're going to allow radical people that put that publish really disgusting information to even get it into a school and allow that to teach kids it's it's just wrong and um that's why that's their position that they're pushing and so that's why we also we can't leave the state we can't leave these uh these meetings we can't do any of that stuff we gotta stay where we're at we gotta fight for these issues because if we leave if everybody who cares about this stuff leaves it's gonna get worse it's gonna become a cesspool and the party that likes this stuff is gonna be the only one in the room at that point Yep. And so that's why it's really, really important that we don't flee the conversation. We don't run from this issue and we actually fight it head on. And so well, and, I,
1: and the, the, the biggest issue with fleeing, like I said, once it's normalized here in California, all of our media, all everything flows out of California to the rest of the country. OK, like if it's a normal law in California in five years, it's going to be a normal law across the country. That's just the way that it goes. They'll use and, it as a precedent. And, mm-hmm. It's it's a precedent. It it it's used as like, oh yeah, everything's fine in California, you know. Might as well just adopt that law here. You're a bigot if you don't, and they'll call you that on your favorite TV show every night, right? Like, that's uh, that's just how it goes. And so if we don't win the the culture war here, we lose it everywhere. And and so you know, I I feel called to stay here and fight. It sounds like you do too. I, I don't blame I'm those people, good. especially with kids that that leave. Like, I get it. If you have kids right now, them being protected today is more important than what might happen five years from now. But, you know, it, it's it's important that we stay here and fight. And, and number one, for everybody across the country, we need to get our kids out of public education. It's just a... It, it, it's always been a set up to promote tyranny. That was the goal back in 1900 when it first started getting implemented, but it's really taking hold and, and the, we're starting to see the fruit of it today. People don't know anything about our history, anything about our constitution. We don't know anything about our government, but we're in government schools at least for what, 13 years. Yeah. You know, it, it like, you'd think the number one thing that a government school would want to teach its children about would be the government, government. (laughs) (laughs) but that's the, it's the last thing that we teach our, our kids about. We don't teach them how to do taxes. We don't teach them, you know, but we, right. Like so many things, we don't really teach you what your vote is or how that works. People don't understand that we don't live in a democracy. We live in a Republic and that that means that we have representatives that we vote for to go represent us. Like, most students get out of high school not understanding any of that. Not yeah, understanding I, what an amendment, yeah. I was 21
0: when I filed my taxes for the first time, and I was like, oh, man, I've been working since I was 18. I have, like, three years of taxes that I can't <laughs> do. <laughs> so that was funny. Um, but, I, yeah, I, we – sorry, God. No, no, you're good, you're good. I was just gonna say, we, we expect a lot out of our kids from the the very little that we give them, and it's it's rough because they're expected to be self-sufficient adults at 18 that know how to do absolutely everything, understand how the world works, understand how to make money, understand how the country operates, and it's just... It's it's just crazy. If I felt like my education didn't start really until I was 18, and I started bumping into other people that were like, "Dude, you gotta do this. You gotta file your taxes. You gotta do this. You gotta do that." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, okay." I didn't hear any of that in school. So that's crazy.
1: <laughs> well, and 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 that just goes to show you how horrible it is that we segregate children into grades. So yeah, that's the most unnatural thing in the world. Naturally, what would happen if you just put a bunch of kids in a school? is they just separate out into kind of different groups of kids. And and it would be all very, you know, various different ages of kids. You'd have a third grader and a sixth grader, and the sixth grader would be kind of teaching the third graders how to not be complete dorks and kind of operate, you know, in the culture that's developed in that school. And, you know, the sixth grader would be teaching the third graders about the stuff that they've learned in the last three years. That you know, and so those third graders are now more prepared to go through fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, and that just carries through into high school. You know, you have your seniors that are interacting with freshmen more, and you know, y- you just get a lot more uh, growth out of children when they're in mixed groups like that. So even like every single thing about factory schools is designed to to tear you away from your family and to to redo entirely how, how education works and how, like, human beings actually want to function. You know, a little boy, they don't want to sit down in a chair and take a test six hours a day. They want to go outside and run around. And there's a lot of evidence to say that one of the important aspects of a boy's education is that they actually come home exhausted every day. So the fact that they're sitting in a chair getting drugged up with, with, with these, all these ADHD medications and basically what amounts to meth. Um, not even basically, it is is meth. It is like, it's not basically like a molecule. Yeah. So (laughs) we, we, we give our children meth so that they can sit down and shut up and and do the tests all day. When the reality is they would be learning more if they went out, ran around, got tired and then came in and you kind of tried to teach them some math for an hour or two. Like that's just how boys want to function. That's not quite the same for girls. They have different struggles, and I'm sure that the education, uh, educational, you know, system is failing them in just as many ways. I just don't know them because I didn't live it, right? So yeah. And, and again, I they had the best. Up... Yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say no, they wake good. up with
0: all this energy. They go to school, and they immediately have to sit down for hours. So, mm.
1: <laughs> and, and you know, it's and i had the best education possible my parents were totally involved like i got a lot out of school a lot more than most people right and so i'm not upset with anything that my parents did they didn't they didn't know all the information that we have today right we didn't know that the news was fake and that the government was trying to you know do all the things that they they've been trying to do to us so i'm not mad or upset i got the best possible education out of that system but it's a completely garbage system. You know, looking back on it, it it doesn't work for anybody. It's not designed to work for anybody. It's designed to, I think it's designed to keep you stupid and make sure that you don't know enough about anything outside of the specific lane that you choose to be a problem to anybody else. You know, you look at the founding fathers, they were what we would call renaissance men where they had multiple different skills. They were all farmers. You know, Washington was a general. He, you know, he also wrote a bunch of books like Oh Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, he, he invented stuff. So the chair that you're sitting in right now that swivels, uh, he yeah. invented the original swivel chair because he just oh, needed wow. one that swiveled. And so, like, <laughs> they're doing all of these multiple, multiple, you know, lots of different things that they're capable of doing. Like Jefferson and all them were like 20 when they when they revolted and, and fought off the British. So, like human beings are far more capable at younger ages if they're given the freedom to learn and grow at, at at their own direction the way that kind of God intended, you know, in their family and in their community they're They're completely capable to be adults and function, whereas today, you know there there's people that are, are struggling to function as adults at you know thirty, forty years old <laughs> it, yeah
0: it, it's It's weird that there's not like adults like like for instance that like electricians or like uh, trade type things it's weird that they're not like at schools in a sense where like when kids start to show an aptitude for certain things, like they really get electricity or they really get like woodworking or they really get like, they're like, they, they're over here drawing inventions on their notepad and stuff all day. It's weird that we don't like guide kids into their talents so that they become a blessing to society and not a menace to society. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of that is just the, the nature of the the schools that we're in. I mean, it's a classroom with 30 kids. You can't tailor the experience to each individual child. You have to kind of do, everybody's doing this math this week. Everybody's learning about this history this week. Everybody's learning this in English this week. And and so originally, like, you know, if you were to go back to Jesus' time, the reason why was Jesus called a carpenter? He was called a carpenter because his dad was a carpenter. And so what happened was at a certain point, he got old enough, he started going into work with his dad every single day. And he learned how to be a master carpenter probably by the time that he was like 20, right? And so, yeah. you know, he's he's got all of these skills because his dad taught him step by step. He got to see his dad in his element, you know, where his dad's the most like, He's got the most knowledge and experience and everybody's coming to him and asking him for guidance and direction so his dad looks like he's a total rock star. Like, just every step of the child going with their parents to learn that job is a better experience and has better outcomes for basically everybody. Whereas what we have today has no good outcomes for anybody unless you're like the top 1%. So that's... You know, I, I, I... Some just...
0: Preparation for the real world would be like very useful.
1: Well, I I think that uh, I know that they have this as like a trope in movies, but it never really happened. Where it was the bring your kid to work day. I, I think that no, like, yeah. you know, I I think that that should happen most days. I think most days kids should go with their with their dad into work. You know, just imagine like, so let's say at twelve or thirteen, your your dad works in a big office building. You go in you You go and you get coffee for everybody in the office. You're kind of that kid that goes around and delivers different papers to everybody you get to you take get the to trash know out <laughs> mm-hmm, take the trash out you know go get go get lunch for everybody like you can start giving responsibilities to these children and they can see what's going on in this office and you can learn a lot about how an office works and functions just by watching people work in the in that environment and so Literally, just having a twelve-year-old be there, start giving them some small responsibilities. I don't know if companies still have this, but make them go work in the mail room, you know, sorting different mail and like passing mail out to everybody. Like, there are things that children could be brought into even offices to do to see their their parents being the ones that are in charge, the ones that are completely knowledgeable. Whereas the system that we have, they go into a class all day, they get taught third grade math, and then they come home and they have three more hours of third-grade math to do. The dad gets home from his office job where he's just stressed and exhausted, and now he has to come back and learn third-grade math, and when he gets the problem wrong, he looks like a complete idiot to his kid who's like, you're an adult, why don't you know third-grade math? You know what I mean? Like, So the system is just designed to cause problems and friction in the in the family.
0: Yeah, and... Another thing that I didn't learn until probably 25 or even just kind of like working with um, some of our friends that have like um, their own kind of entrepreneurial business is just how from start to finish um, a kind of a, a business operates like. You call somebody. You you look for a need and you call mm-hmm. somebody. They they are the you might get some yeses. You might get some nos. Or you get a hundred nos until you get a yes. And so you got that salesperson or that phone person who's acquiring business. Then the purchase order you know goes out. They they're like sweet. They do want it. And so we send out a purchase order for exactly what they're looking for. It gets fulfilled and whatever packaged up and then labeled up and shipped out. And then we get our money. And just understanding how a business gets money from like. Uh, like a linear thing like um, Mm -hmm. calling somebody getting the purchase order fulfilling the purchase order packing it up and shipping it out and how much it costs for the the truck to drive it out like all that kind of stuff and so i used to kind of just think money poured in from everywhere and it was super easy but it's actually really hard to like make a living it's actually really hard to convince another human being that i've got what you need and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and all those skills like it, it just makes you kind of it makes it more tangible what um, uh, what it takes to make a business function, what it takes to earn some money. like, And then you don't go into the world with just expectations on everybody else. And, and instead, you have an expectation of, I need to make this happen. I need to make these phone calls. I need to have these ideas. I need to put these in- into place. And then it becomes more of like, less of an entitlement thing and more of a, uh, I don't know how you articulate this, but I got to go out and work for it. You know what I mean? I got to go out and achieve it and earn
1: it. Well, and and I think the other thing that that the real world teaches you is that you can do all of the right things and still not get the result that you want. Okay? So, yeah, you're in el- you're in elementary <laughs> school. Like if you're in elementary school and you go and you um you, you 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 study your spelling words for that week and you learn how to spell them all, you're going to get 100% on the spelling test and you'll get rewarded for that. Well, in the real world, you might not know what list of words you need to learn, right? And so you go and learn all the wrong stuff and then make your sales call and you don't get the sale, even though you did all the right work beforehand. And so it's setting you up with the wrong expectations for reality. There are so many people who are, you know, uh, teachers, pets and best friends with the teachers. And so they get all, you know, they're getting A's on all of their assignments and getting extra time to... Uh, you know, go do extra credit work and all this, all this kind of stuff. And so they get promoted from, you know, throughout their uh, educational experience and then you dump them in the real world and nobody wants to treat them like that. Right. Like in the real world, your boss isn't going to be your best friend the same way that your teacher might've been. And there's, you know, it's just completely different incentives and it just creates a lot of wrong expectations. So. Yeah. I'm one of those people that relied heavily on direction
0: and then mm. I get into some jobs, and I'm asking people, what do I do? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And they're almost upset with me that mm-hmm. I don't take an initiative. And so it's like, so you want me to make decisions that could possibly screw things up and cost you money and time and that you're also paying me for, so it's more money. And and, and they're seriously like, yes, I do want you to make these decisions on your own without asking me any questions. And then you go to <laughs> another job, and they're like... Don't touch anything, ask every question before you touch anything. And so you have to like actually discern whether your job is somewhere that you want to put your hands up and ask first or put your hands down and do first. And so that was something that I had to learn the hard way and make people a little bit upset with me. And I looked a little bit dumb because I'm asking questions left and right. And it's and I came from a job before that where it's like you do not touch anything without asking. You will cost us serious money. (laughs) And so it's it's it it just it's rough. That discernment I did not have going into the workforce. And if I just had somebody to kind of um, disciple me in that way. It would have been nice knowing, hey, there's some jobs that you got to figure it out for yourself and some jobs that you really got to ask a ton of questions and you got to know what those jobs are and
1: stuff like that. And so Yeah, it, well, it made and, being an adult harder. And, and there's no way to teach that in a, in a school setting, right? Like with a teacher and 30 students, you can't just say, well, kids, there's going to be some places that want you to ask a bunch of questions and some that don't. <laughs> like, you can't just say that, you know, you have to, it, what it what it boils down to is we should be having kids go and have, I'm not saying that kids should go into the coal mines and get black lung, but kids should go and, and, and have small jobs and different things that they get paid for out in the real world, right? Like, the, the child labor laws, I think, are a little too strict. I, again, obviously, I'm not saying that we should use children because they're small to go into crevices in a nuclear reactor to clean out the <laughs> radioactive gunk, okay? Because when you start saying children should have a job, those are the images that that crazy people get in their brains. Is like they're going down in a mine and they're going to be in a sweatshop and chop a finger off or they're going to be, like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, like, a coffee shop, okay? A kid can go and clean up tables at a coffee shop for five bucks an hour at 12, right like there is nothing that would keep that kid from being able to do that and, and by the time they're 18 you would, you would have had a job where you worked at a coffee shop where they wanted you to ask a bunch of questions and then they would have had a job at a coffee shop where they didn't want you to ask any questions and so, so they would have figured that out before it was their apartment that was on the line or them not have, being able to make rent because they upset this guy who they didn't even you know what I mean like that, that's yeah. the kind of thing you know and it would help a lot of families. It would mean that families wouldn't be struggling as much to put food on the table. Like, it would turn kids from a complete burden into at least being able to take care of themselves a little bit and maybe even provide a little bit of extra value to the family to be able to, you know. So, like, there are some massive benefits for the family and, and for just incentivizing parents to have children if you allow children to start working earlier, you know, like I said, 12, 13 years old, kids should be responsible enough to go have not the, you know, obviously not welding, but they, to have small menial jobs that they could get paid something for. Yeah, it's not it's not crazy to have some kid wipe tables
0: or just kind of interact with other professional adults for an for two or three hours. So they understand this mm-hmm. is what actual adults do. This is how they act. This is um, how they behave. And so I got to I got to imitate that when I go there and then they come home with that discipline and they start to kind of act like an adult in the home. And, and they don't remain a child until they get slapped in the face at 18 with, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have been doing that. And <laughs> <laughs> they're learning it at 14 yep. as soon as they get into high school. Hey, I actually have to do something. I got to provide. I got to help provide. I got to do something for myself. I can't rely on my parents forever. Uh, some amount of work is going to need to take place like, you know, stuff like that. So.
1: Well and the and the big problem is that uh um the big the biggest problem is that uh the oh sorry, I got totally distracted by uh the the watch together activity. It was about to start making noise. Um I totally lost what I was about to say. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> no worries. Um let's actually do that. Um Let's go to your AIAW clip, and then we'll roll back into Proverbs and the Gospel of
1: John. Okay. Let me get everything oh. set up. Here. Give me two seconds. Probably. Okay, I wait. got the video Almost. ready. Almost there. How do I? There we go. All right, cool. Sweet. We...
0: All right. Are you ready? All right, in three,
1: two, one. Machine is already more complicated than things that we have. That's because it is a machine oh, that's, that was created. by th- the creator. that was like halfway through.
0: Um, I'm I'm starting from the very beginning right now. Okay, sorry All about right, that, guys. in three, two, one. One thing that's really fascinating to me as like a human being that is probably of about average intelligence, right? The human body is psychopathically complicated
1: when you zoom
0: in enough. Right, watching this little coronavirus like go into this membrane,
1: it just looks like a machine It's already more complicated than things that we have. That's because it is a machine that was created by the creator of the universe. And so it is vastly more complicated than anything that we could possibly have. The DNA and RNA that create those biological organisms, it is an error correcting code. I would argue that you should look at God and then look at him for salvation through his son, Jesus Christ.
0: That's really cool man. I, I <laughs> What do you what do you mean by it's like code or the DNA stuff?
1: Yeah, so um basically uh when you go and you look at um uh so the when you look at DNA there are four bases that make up your DNA. It's called adenine, guanine, thiamine and cytosine, something like that. I used to know those off the top of my head. Um, and then in RNA, you replace the thia- thiamine with uracil. Um, but it's A, C, T, and G. Uh, and what that is, is it's, it is it is the exact same thing as if it was uh, zeros and ones, but there's four of them. And so it's, it's a language where you can assemble, essentially, words, uh, and those words in the right order create a human being okay or a flower or a deer or you know a a fungus and so um literally that you could translate a a uh computer program so let's say you wanted to load up the next office you could theoretically translate office you know into uh dna into that a c t and g put it into a cell, and then extract that cell somewhere else and put it back into a computer and run Office using A, C, T, and G rather than zeros and ones. It literally is a, it's not a digital code, but it is a, is it a code just like what we have on our computers, just like writing down English. That's,
0: that is crazy. How, yeah. Is, where is DNA found? Like, like, how do people look at DNA? Where do they get it from?
1: Yeah, so uh, DNA it stands for deoxyribonucleic acid, and it is found in the nucleus of the cell. So let me see if I can pull Any up a picture. Cell? Yeah, every single cell has DNA. Oh, so... wow. You can tell I paid attention in science class. <laughs> as we were saying before, I don't, I don't believe it's your fault. I think that you were completely uh, failed as a student. You weren't allowed to go run around. Okay. Can you see this diagram? Am I still... Okay. So uh, that big blue thing in the center is the nucleus. And then I think... Let me see if I can... Uh, I think the very center is where the actual DNA is. And so uh, these squiggly things, you see the yellow and blue squiggly things on the outside? I believe that's the mitochondria. Uh, As everybody says, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It has its own... (laughs) Um, it has its own kind of DNA, uh, and that actually is only passed down from your mother. So that's an interesting thing to kind of compare to. Man, so, life
0: is so complex and cool. Yeah,
1: it's it's crazy. This this is basically a little factory, and there's a tri- there's trillions of these that are inside that make up your body. Um, but yeah, so so DNA it, it's uh, it looks like let me see. So it's that double helix pattern uh, that everybody yeah. talks about, and so um, so this is what it looks like, kind of more detailed. Uh, and God is big brain, man. So um, we can see here: this is the double, the, the double helix of, the, of uh, DNA, and then each of these bars—it's—it's it's, so we, we see this more complicated version. Each one of these is a different. I think it's a protein uh a c t or g and so that's this is mapping um uh what what it's at what each one of them is actually made out of, but this is more sim- simplified uh so basically they're what are called base pairs so uh an a always goes with a uh t and a uh c always goes with a g and so it's basically just like Code that you would write for a computer, but it's in every single one of our cells. And so it's information that had to come from somewhere. And so that information then replicates and turns itself into an entire human being, or like I said, into an entire flower. So that
0: it's just nuts that that's like the foundation of like life and that it, the implications of like, it just gives heed to the idea of intelligent design and man like when you look around at just nature and like not even like dna and like cells like that but you you get to you get this sense that things were put there for like a reason and it wasn't by accident like mm-hmm. things are so complicated and it's just looking at dna it's like it's just crazy i can't i can't even believe that that would happen on its own it's almost like
1: it's, I jokingly say that, like, we're, we're God's video game. <laughs> you know oh, yeah, I mean? I, like, I'm, I'm basically not even joking when I... I don't say those exact words, but I, I, I say basically the same thing, and I'm not joking. We, we live in a digital simulation. So, you know, if you, if you look at our reality, most of everything is nothing, nothingness. So even if you go down in... So what we were just talking about was a cellular level, if you go down even smaller, down to like individual atoms, uh, you look at an atom, you have the electrons that are floating around in kind of a cloud outside of the nucleus, and then you have the nucleus of the atom. So in between the electrons and the nucleus of the atom is 99.9% empty space. But when you touch something, okay, if you, if you touch anything in the world, what you're doing is your atoms are repelling against the electrons in the other things atoms. And so you don't ever actually touch anything else. You're, 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 magnetically being repelled from the other thing. And then even if you were to touch the other person's electrons, you're still not even going into their, the, the like actual, um, Atomic you're still, level. yeah, well, you're still, you're still as far away from the nucleus proportionally as uh pluto is from the sun like inside that nucleus of the of the actual uh, atom is 99.9 percent empty space too and so like it, it, it most of our reality is empty space and what we perceive and what we touch is only due to electricity or electrons is basically it, what i'm trying it, to get at
0: it, it kind of when you're saying like your atoms repel other atoms it's kind Mm -hmm. of like to me my brain goes that's why i can't put my fist through my hand you know what i mean that's why things are tangible and Mm -hmm. stuff like that right
1: well and and what's crazy is technically there there could be a way where i could put my hands together but they like pass through each other because if there's so much empty space like that doesn't happen in reality but theoretically that could that could be a thing um but yeah so like I believe basically we live in a, a simulation that was created by God. Like, all those people that say that, that we live in a computer simulation... Uh, so, like, Elon Musk has been coming out and saying that he believes we, we live in a simulated universe. He's essentially saying the same thing as what Christians are saying, that we live in a universe that was created by God. He's just calling using different words to say basically the same thing. Well, when
0: you look at, like, video game engines and what it takes to create them. It's essentially an empty space, and then you enter mm-hmm. code, and that code creates um, objects. And so you go back to Genesis, and God is coding with his mouth, and it's mm-hmm. really crazy. So yep. it's, well, it's and... just
1: uh, basically computers mimic our reality, is all I was going to say. I'm sorry. I keep stepping on you. What I was going to say was that um, you know, even if you look at the order of creation – it looks more like a computer programmer than somebody who's coming up with, like, evolution. Because evolution would call for a completely different order than what we see in Genesis. But what we see in Genesis is the first thing you have to do is you have to define the space that you're creating in, and so you have to separate light from darkness. And so what that means as a computer programmer is you have to create light. So it starts off, it's completely blank and dark, and so you have to create light, and then you have to create you had to create the fact that there is light at all and so that there's some light shining on your space then what you could do is you could create the sun and put it as a fixed point of light that everything then comes from Um, but you know you just look at the account in in Genesis of the creation story and it's not in an order that would make sense uh, evolutionarily but it's in an order that would make sense if you're a computer programmer that's like making a computer program and of course God is way more incredible than a computer programmer. I'm not saying that he's just a human being like us. He's he's infinite and but it, it our universe was designed in such a way that it, it it makes more sense as someone who is creating a reality and then making it so that you can actually utilize it rather than the realities you know, just evolving.
0: So, would so I'm going to ask some questions out of my ignorance, but is father god the one that created the what we'll call a simulation and would then jesus is jesus something he put into the world that he created because i know in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god so Mm -hmm. i know that but
1: um basic question is jesus a created being no absolutely not jesus is god and so God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have existed eternally. They they were not created. Um okay. they created everything in existence. And so uh, you know, John 1 1 says that the word was God. what uh, what is what is John what does it say in again the exactly? Was the word, and the word and the was, word word was God, God. And the word was God. Yeah. And so what we nothing see, was created
0: that wasn't created through him.
1: <laughs> yes. And so God when God speaks words right? That is the word that is doing the creating. It's almost like the typing. (laughs) Yeah, and so what you'll see is that all three of the, I'm going to call them personalities, I'm not sure if that's 100% the right word, all three of the personalities of God are seen in that Genesis account. You see God the Father, you see the Word, or or Jesus Christ, and then you'll see that uh, his spirit was on the face of the deep. Uh, That's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so you can see those different aspects or different personalities of God present even in uh, Genesis. And so what they're doing is, is they're all working together to create the universe and to create the earth for us to live on and, and ultimately to create us. Wow.
0: that's uh, a, lo- a lot of this is taking a little bit of imagination on my part, and some of it's a little bit
1: going over my head. So yeah. it's, it's it's hard to understand <laughs> It's, it's difficult. Like, I'm not claiming that I even understand it either. I, I'm just doing my best to explain it. And again, if we get anything wrong or if you have a different opinion on some stuff, please text us, you know, uh, write into us, however you can leave us comments. Uh, we would love to discuss that and, and kind of get a better understanding out of us, you know, uh, hearing what you have to say as well. Um, Cause again, we're talking again, I'm not talking about something that's a hundred percent scriptural, When I'm comparing, you know, God to a computer programmer, uh, my point is only to say that, like, that makes more sense than the universe has eternally existed and we're just constantly evolving and changing. That's my only point is that the and again, Elon Musk is saying that there is a God when he's saying that we that we live in a a computer simulation because it would imply design, intelligent design, right? There, If there, if we live in a computer simulation, there has to be a, a, a simulator, someone who created the simulation, or something. I guess you could believe it is some, not cosmic, but extra-universal thing. But then again, so as soon as you start saying that there is a space that exists outside of the universe, you're just expanding what the definition of the universe is. So, back in 1900, we didn't know that there was anything outside of the milky way we thought the entire universe was our galaxy the milky, the milky way. way and so what we saw with hubble edwin hubble he he did he did his observations and he actually found galaxies that were outside of our own galaxy and so he expanded how big that they thought the universe was so all i'm saying is that if elon musk believes that there is some again not cosmic but some force that creates the universe all he's saying is that there is the reality is that the universe is larger than we thought that it was and so that would then still be part of the universe you have to have a a personal being a a thinking being that exists outside of the universe in order to create our universe that that's just the only way that it logically makes sense
0: what starts to crop up or be a problem when you imply that there are multiple universes or just more than
1: one? Um, so, a lot of times, the, the only reason that... So, there is no actual evidence for multiple universes. We've, we've never gotten a communication from outside the universe. We haven't seen a star that exists outside the universe. The only thing that is pointing toward there being something greater than the universe or other universes outside this universe is math and so you can make math say basically whatever you want and so what basically the only reason you would need another universe is because you you don't want to believe in a creator and so they literally are coming up with this entire multiverse theory in order to try to explain away the need for a creator And all that does is it just pushes it out farther so what created the multiverse is the question that a Christian would ask?
0: It comes back down to the same thing: of the universe was, mm-hmm. like, do you know what I mean? And so exactly. I, so why why does the idea of a multiverse take away from God and there? And, and I know you're not them, but like, why would why? I guess how would how would there be more universes, and how would that point
1: to there not being a God? So uh, when we look at it from a from the point of view, so. As human beings, we study the universe, okay? And what we see at every single stage is that the universe is perfectly designed and set up for our for us to be alive, okay? So if you were to move 200 miles up, you you would just instantly die, okay? You'd be out in the vacuum of space, and within about 30 seconds to a minute, you'd be completely, you'd be dead, okay? And so... Even just 200 miles up, away from Earth, 200 miles down below the Earth, you'd be crushed. Like, if we are not in the exact right spot, human beings die. And what we find is that the Earth is in the exact right spot, the sun's in the exact right spot in our galaxy, our galaxy's in the exact right spot in relationship to other galaxies, and so what we see, what they call that is the anthropic principle, that everything was, it seems to have been designed for us to be able to be alive and to be here today as conscious, intelligent beings. And so uh, what, they're trying to, what they try to say at every step is that random chance could explain why it looks like it's perfect for us to be here. So they'll say there's trillions of different planets that, that could possibly have rolled the dice to be in the right spot our planet just happens to be that right one. Uh, does that make sense? And so yeah. they're just using that exact same argument, but now with universes. Oh, because our, our universe, the, the, the law of gravity. So the fact that gravity works at exactly the, the way that it works means that we can exist. If gravity was stronger than magnetism, then we couldn't exist. But gravity right now is way weaker than magnetism in this universe. What they claim is that there are other universes that have different properties where gravity works in a different way, where light works in a different way, and so we just happen to have one of the trillions of universes that pops into existence, and it just so happens that it has all the exact right properties for life to exist. And so it's just another, another way for them to say that we could have existed by random chance. So... Everything that we see in nature le- leads us to assume that there is some kind of a fine-tuning, where there is a creator that actually created us to exist in this spot, and created the spot for us to exist in, where they want to say that Random Chance made a spot for us to evolve in randomly, and it's just completely random... And so that also includes everything about the properties of our universe were also completely random. And there's trillions of just empty, lifeless universes because they don't have the right properties to support life.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so at every single level, what they're trying to do is create enough uh, enough things so that it makes it plausible that random chance is what caused us or created us. I feel like they take in a, a way
0: bigger leap of faith than we do as Christians. <laughs> That's what oh, I was yeah. Oh yeah. call back to what I was saying at the very, very beginning of the stream. Basically that is what you're putting your faith in your, on theories interpretations and um, different data and then humans take that data say what it means interpret it and then they say ah this is what reality is this is what could exist outside of there and then you put your faith in that and so for me it's it it just makes so much more sense that we don't exist randomly or by a coincidence that God put us here for a reason and it was to walk with him and know him you know what I mean and um, it's it's pretty nuts that people would rather believe that we stop existing when we die and that everything means nothing just so they don't have to be rebuked by God. Do you know what I mean? It's really so that they can live their life and do whatever they want Mm because their whole thought is I only have this one chance to do whatever I want. I'm not going to listen to your rules. And that's basically how I thought before I was a christian is you know I, I'm going to I'm going to stop existing why why have somebody tell me what it is and then you start to get to this point where if if there is an afterlife I want to have it <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. so it uh, before i became a christian it was a lot of um it uh there is an afterlife and you need to get right with God. I remember that kind of being put on my heart before Christian witnessed to me is like there is an afterlife. Because I started seeing openly satanic things everywhere. And so I was like, okay, if this is, um, <laughs> if people are, if, if human beings are down to acknowledge that, then God's real. And then that that was all the stuff that was going on uh, with me right before I got witness to, you know what I mean? So it's it's crazy. There is an afterlife and you definitely want to be a part of it. And there's an afterlife if you're not going to heaven, and, and it's not good. And so, essentially, when Jesus comes back to judge the world, every, everybody whose faith in Christ is going to be separated from everybody whose faith is not in Christ. And, you know, one's going to go one way and one's going to go the other. And mm-hmm. so, basically, it, <laughs> put your faith in
1: Jesus Christ and you will be Amen. in paradise with him. <laughs> Amen. It, it's so funny. Um that uh, that you mentioned that you saw a whole bunch of demonic stuff in our society that was happening. That's like word for word what uh the guy who invented podcasting, actually Adam Curry, he came to Christ in the last like two years. And that's like word for word. What he says is that he started seeing all this demonic stuff and that if there's going to be demonic and evil in the world, then there must be good. And so then he started searching out for what that good was. And ultimately he found Jesus Christ. So... You know, I think I a lot of
0: the—I don't know why the devil would reveal his hand so obviously, because it—it it really, if 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 your followers give heed to you, then I have to give heed to the followers that believe in Jesus and, and God, and so that's kind of what started softening my mind mm-hmm. to the idea of God. You know what I mean? Sorry. Amen.
1: <laughs> no, 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 nothing to be sorry about. That's—I love talking about how like people come to Christ and. I think ultimately what, what the devil knows is that most people won't get woken up and won't come to Christ. It's and really so, you know, he doesn't care. And I and 99.9% of the time he's right. You know, I, I hope and I pray that he's not right this time and that a lot of people like you and and Adam Curry and, and there's a lot of people that are coming to Christ right now. I mean, I think this was a few years ago, but I mean, even Justin Bieber at least claims to be a Christian, you know like it's it's, it's interesting because he's he's gotten kind of
0: um from what i've seen of justin bieber um the music industry and other places they're not really messing with him anymore um because mm-hmm. he professed his faith in christ now he's singing at churches and yeah. doing bible studies at churches and stuff like that and so you don't really hear much from justin bieber anymore and it, that it's for a reason you if you sign up with the the I'll call it the cult, and you play their game, and you do their stuff, and you do, and you basically just show you, ah, just play their game. Then you'll get promoted, you'll get money, you'll everything will come your way the moment you start questioning things and not playing ball then they're gonna there will be tabloids attacking you media attacking you everything will start attacking you and it, that alone has also made me start to give a second look to anybody who's being attacked by the media or attacked by the tabloids or attacked by anything you start to realize mm-hmm. they stood up for something they cared about something and now they're being demonized by everyone in, in the the
1: cult yeah <laughs> so. yep and so I think that's a good sign that he actually is probably saved, right? Like, if he's getting attacked and he's getting... Because, you know, they, they love fake Christians. The world loves fake Christians like Joel Osteen and all of them. What they don't love are, are people that actually want to stand for biblical truth and, and the reality of, of God and what he's done for us and, and through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right, um, let's... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do we want to move on to John? And I'm assuming that's uh, where you're going. Yeah, let's do Proverbs. Oh, Proverbs, that's right.
0: <laughs> we are doing Proverbs 3, 7 through 12.
1: Do you mind if I give that a read? Not at all. Let me gr- get over to the Bible screen. And we're there. Can you all see right. that?
0: Um, Let me... Yes, I'm going to be reading from another page let me see uh, actually do you... yeah it's harder for me to see yeah, it on the, it's, uh, on the stream uh, feed
1: and we are doing uh seven through twelve i believe yes of proverbs three or chapter three yep all right let's begin oh uh, uh, real quick ahead. uh just so that everybody's on the same page we are switching translations for today uh we are using the esv uh, so it's the english standard version uh checking it out seeing how you guys like it and if it's gonna we don't know if we'll stick with this one but uh hopefully it's nice and easy and clear for you guys to understand yep all right let's go ahead and give this a shot so proverbs 3 chapter 7
0: reads be not wise in your own eyes fear the lord and turn away from evil it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones honor the lord with your wealth And with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. So it's, um, I think we kind of see this also in hebrews about he disciplines the ones he loves and i think the bible basically says like if you don't discipline your son then you hate that son (laughs) yep so it's uh basically discipline is a loving act and i'll give you kind of an example if say me and you had like an issue or you had an issue with me or i had an issue with you i could just be angry with you stop talking to you and walk away from you or i could be loving and say hey I have this issue. Um, you're doing this thing. It kind of bothers me. I'd really appreciate it if you stopped. And I've always kind of had this. I've always I've always kind of told people when when people tell you where to pump the brakes or even to pump the brakes at all. It's 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 actually a good thing because they're trying to keep you in their life. A lot of I've had a lot of people who I find out way later stop talking to me because I was annoying or I talked too much or this or that. And I'm like, dang, if they would have just said, like, hey, dude, please, you're, you're chatting my ear off, just chill a little bit. like, And I'd be like, oh, okay, okay, I'm talking way too much. And I didn't get that until I had some friends that actually cared to be around me. And so I had a couple good weeks of not being uh, too chatty. And then they basically said, hey, man, like, you know what I mean, uh, just chill a little bit. And then I was like, okay. And I was a little bit offended and upset until I realized, you know, they could have treated me like everybody else they could have just been upset with me and just not talked to me but they they were cool enough to give me the chance to say hey please stop doing this thing and so it's in a, in a in another sense um if somebody allows you to keep on doing something that's harmful to yourself or others that's not loving at all um any amount of correctment is mm-hmm. loving on some level i feel
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: Alright, is there anything you want to touch on in this proverb?
1: Yeah, uh, I was just going to say that up, up in uh, verse 7, it says, Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. That was something that, uh, when I was younger, I struggled a lot with, and probably still do. Um, you know, just thinking of myself too, as being too smart or intelligent. Um, and ultimately, especially when you compare yourself to God, you're, you're nothing, um, my, all of my intelligence amounts to absolutely nothing compared to the, the one that who, gave it to you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, for, for me, um, that was a big, a big deal. It was, it was something that my friends beat out of me. Basically they didn't actually beat me, but they, uh, <laughs> they would, they would, you know, give me grief and, and a bunch of, uh, make fun of me for, I would always say that I'm a hundred percent sure of stuff. <laughs> uh so they they beat that out of me which was good you know and and so it's that that's really important for me to think about and and you know it says fear the lord and turn away from evil and that's it sounds so simple but that's just advice that we uh we can all kind of use and and take uh, into into account in our own lives for for people that might be um Christians that might be
0: seeing this concept for the first time or even non-believers that might uh, God willing be listening to this podcast um what does it mean to fear the
1: Lord should I be afraid of God um I, I think that what fear the Lord means is it it means to tr- come as close as you can to truly understanding who and what he is okay so if you think about God we we we, we have this idea that you know Jesus was very loving and very caring, and, and cares very much about his sheep, right? But ultimately, he is a being that is older than the universe, He is, he's eternal, and has the ability to just snap or say a word and completely unmake you. Like, do <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Like, this is a a, a a being that, if he didn't love us, would be the absolute most terrifying thing in existence, okay? His wrath will be uh, unspeakably horrible, okay? So, what you need to do is understand that you have transgressed against a completely holy and perfect God. This this being doesn't need you, is so much greater than you and the universe that he created that, like, he's just got an infinite amount of power, more than we could even possibly comprehend. And... The other thing that we know is that we've done something that he doesn't like. <laughs> and so you, you need to start off your relationship with God, understanding that he has the most power of any, anything ever in existence and could snap and the entire universe just disappears, okay? And you've done something that angers him. <laughs> Thank God he's merciful and, and, and gracious and, and, and loves you, okay? Okay. But we need to start off with the understanding that he doesn't have to, <laughs> okay?
0: Yeah, he's rich in mercy, and he's willing to forgive us. And how do you get that forgiveness? Well, you repent, which means to turn from your evil and turn towards God and what he says, and um, basically believe the gospel, which is the good news that the Messiah has come and died for our sins essentially before in the old testament they would they would slay lambs and that would be a temporary covering of your sin but now the lamb of god has come and he's been slain and it has taken away the sins of the world he god says i will remember your sin no more so that that is that is what we have with jesus is that completely powerful uh, creator god who can snap and unalive you or unexist (laughs) you or uncreate you do you know what i mean um, yep. He has basically said that uh, I will, if you know, uh, there there is hope and forgiveness in Christ, and He will remember your sin no more. He will add your name to the book of life, and uh, the book of life are all the the names of everybody who has come to Christ and believes in Him and who are ultimately forgiven. So you're going to want your name in that book of life, and you just put your your faith in Jesus and repent of your sin, and that's what's going to happen is that you're going to be put into the that that book of life.
1: Yep, and just to kind of finish up about fear. So in, in uh Psalm, it's, or it might be a proverb as well. It says, it is a proverb. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so mm-hmm. once you understand I'm nothing and a complete just speck of dust, a, a vapor that's here and then gone, God has existed eternally. He's greater than the universe created. The universe could destroy it in an instant. Once you've understood that and you have that proper relationship with God, then you can start, you know, learning about Him and accepting the amazing and incredible things that He's done for us, not least of which is sending His Son to die. So, yeah. You know, especially
0: and, when you start to turn from, like, your sin and start to realize what sin is and how you should act and what you should do, how you should think, what you should feel, all of that stuff. I think that is when the wisdom starts to come because ultimately you're turning away from doing very bad things that cause a lot of problems to you and your family and the people around you to doing things that the Lord wants to do or wants you to do the plan that He has for your life. And that's it's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I'm sure I've said this in, a, in other podcasts, but I used to think God made a, a ton of rules and He was basically... Mad at you for not following his rules, and then I examine the rules for what they are, and there's like not a single thing that he is saying to do that a doesn't make my life better or bless me or prevent problems. Do you know what I mean? Like everything that he says to do is ultimately what makes humans thrive, and it's not just to please God. It pleases God in the process, but how he made you to live, is is good. And then what you do outside of that is sin, and so mm-hmm. you're basically saying that um, um, I'm doing my little archery thing right now. That um, <laughs> uh, sin is basically as ter- an archery term for missing the mark. So hitting the bullseye would be doing what God says to do. And y- and I- I'd encourage you if you were to actually uh, live out and walk out the things that God is saying to do, you'll notice you're avoiding tons of problems. And you're doing things that bless you and the people around you. You miss that mark intentionally and you sin, It you'll it might not crop up immediately, but your sin will find you. Things will crop up and problems will happen. And I've experienced this, man, the sin that I committed before I was a Christian has become a problem for me while I was a Christian. So now I'm just like, I've told lies and I've done things and it's just, Mm -hmm. man, that bites me in the butt, man. And like, I just, my whole position now on sin is I avoid it at all costs and I'm going to slip up. I'm only human. And I I don't think I can be perfect like Jesus Christ. I can think I can get close But closer every day, Yep. closer every day. Right. And but I've really just noticed that every sin that I've ever committed has in some way caused me some kind of deep regret emotionally or, or mentally or actually physically with people being upset with me and not wanting to be my friend or not wanting to associate with me anymore because I've just done dumb things. And now I it's it sucks because not everybody that you've sinned against is a Christian that's willing to forgive you and have understanding towards that. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yep. So, it, well, it just bites you in the butt, man.
1: Well, it, and, and it's so funny how, uh, you know, the devil lies to us. So, in our society, we like to say, what, we like to use the term karma, when the, in reality, what people are saying when they use the word karma is they're actually talking about the law of reaping and sowing. And so, the biblical concept is you reap what you sow. So, if you go out and you sow lies and you sow cheating and you sow stealing and murder, you're going to reap the rewards of that. And so ultimately for murder, that means that you go to jail for a very or long be, time. Or be put right? to death in some states, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you we think of karma as what actually is what the Bible teaches, which is reaping and sowing. It's just kind of funny. And so, you know... it. it it's it's funny how the devil twists things just a little bit away from Christianity and, and what the Bible teaches, but uh, yeah, it, it, the 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 Bible teaches that we we reap what we sow, and you know just because we come to Christ doesn't mean that we get a, a get out of jail free card. So, there, uh, I believe it was Jeffrey Dahmer, I could be wrong about which horrible serial killer it was, but in in prison he came to Christ, right. But that, do, that didn't mean that he gets to go before the judge and say, I want a pardon, I came to Christ. No, you have to finish out the rest of your sentence up to and including going and, and being executed, right? But what it does mean is that once he's finished that sentence, once he's been executed, he's now going to be with Christ and he's going to spend eternity with him because his sins were forgiven by the ultimate judge. But yeah. But as a Christian, and, and and as that person that's in jail, honestly, I think that they should be they should never argue to get out early or be released because of their Christianity. I think that that's kind of uh, kind of crazy that that people do. But
0: no, but we'll give you a Bible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, oh, what I'm man. what I'm saying is that uh, as a Christian, I should want to be in jail for the entirety of my sentence and to fulfill that, rather than trying Trump to get some. For it. Yeah. Rather than trying to get some special treatment because I've, you know, turned my life around in jail, like, that shouldn't be a thing.
0: I mean, I guarantee you there are people that thought that if I say I've changed and if I say I've turned to God, that they'll they'll have mercy on me. And it's mm-hmm. God that's going to have mercy on you, not men. <laughs> yep,
1: exactly. So, but yeah, the, like, what it all boils down to is the fear of the Lord. you got to be afraid of what he's going to do to you for eternity or not do to you— wh- You have to be afraid of being separated from him for eternity is what you should be afraid of because that's the last place that anybody should want to be.
0: Yeah. And there's ultimately only um, two places um, for your eternal soul to go. It's either in his presence or in his absence. And Mm -hmm. the absence isn't just a dark room and you can't see your hand in front of your face because it's so dark. It's that plus you know, the lake of fire that was intended for specifically the devil and his angels. And the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And it's honestly my honest prayer that everybody come to Christ because there's no Mm -hmm. reason why your eternal soul should spend eternity in hell and in, in punishment when there is a free, a free pardon. You don't have to do anything other than put your faith in the one who's already there blessing you and that created you. And so it's, it's so crazy how easy it is to get your salvation, and it's so wild to me that people want to reject it in the way that they do. Like, <laughs> if I, if, yeah. if the guy on death row was promised, Hey, if you literally do this one thing that's super easy, you don't have to do like a thousand push ups or anything, you just kind of say some words and change your heart, and you can go. That's how God is for you.
1: It's, it's just, it's just it- crazy. What's, uh, what's really interesting is, it, like, from a legal perspective, so here in the United States, it has been ruled on by the Supreme Court that uh, even if the president signs a pardon for you, you have to accept the pardon. You have so there, to? So there was a guy, if you, want, if you want the benefits of the pardon, you have to accept it. And so there was a guy who uh, basically committed murder or something and was about to, was going to be hung he went to either the governor or the president, I can't remember which, and asked the asked them for a pardon. They ended up granting him the pardon and sending it over. Sorry, he didn't ask for the pardon. Other people asked for him. He, got, he ended up getting the pardon, and then it got sent over to him, and he rejected it. And so then there was a whole Supreme Court case over whether or not he even could reject the pardon. And oh, so ultimately man. the Supreme Court uh, uh, said that Yes, you can reject the pardon. A pardon is a piece of paper that's worthless unless accepted by the recipient or something. It was some old timey, you know, Supreme Court language from the day. But yeah, basically like and it's just interesting to see how that plays out, because ultimately what I believe is that uh, what what all of this is, is it's a what, what God did for us is a, a legal way to absolve us of our sins while also, you know, so we can be with him forever while also still uh, judging the sin and, and judge, you know, meeting out justice on that sin. Um, and so it's interesting to me to see how legally you're you have to accept the pardon, just like legally for the universe. You have to accept the pardon that was given by God. And you yeah, can reject but, it.
0: And like two things. Um, basically, if some if you. Uh, let's say steal a car or you break something that's super expensive and people are about to like take your home and take your uh, possessions and liquidate everything you have to pay for what you've done. If somebody steps in and says, I'll pay for it. um, That's legal. If somebody Mm -hmm. is willing to pay for what you've done, the court will accept it and you're good. And that's basically what Jesus has done for our sin. And so does the sacrifice mean anything if you don't accept it? So if somebody says, "Hey, I'll pay for his crime," and you go, "No, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not taking your money." Well, then you're paying for your crime, and so it, the whole point becomes: Are you? If you pay for your own sins, bec- and you will, if you don't accept Jesus as your Savior, then you're then it's you, it's condemnation. And so the whole thing is: There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the whole Amen. point is: Jesus has already the God has already stepped into His creation and paid for all of our sins. Should we put our faith in Him? And so I don't know why anybody would say no to a free pardon.
1: I just don't. But there uh, has been somebody that has. So yeah. <laughs> So it, it's 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 crazy to think about. And, you know, I don't know what was going through his head. Uh, I'm guessing he was probably thinking that he should pay for his crimes. But I, I think that a lot of people, they just don't want to accept that they are sinful. I, I think a lot of people, it's very hard to accept the fact that they're not good people. So, I, can, I think I might have mentioned this on the last episode. I, I think this happened to me more than a week ago. But, uh, basically, I, I got attacked by a bunch of atheists for claiming that they don't believe in good or evil. <laughs> so, I was saying that, like, I can't remember... You weird it, game there. <laughs> yeah, I, basically, my whole point was you don't believe in good or evil, so you're not good or evil in this instance. You're just neutral. Oh, oh we were talking about, so why is it wrong to do, you know, to steal or to lie or to murder? And their their whole point, they couldn't come up with a reason why, but basically, like, I don't know. It was, it, th- their whole point was, like, I guess it feels bad. I don't know. But they thought that, basically, a, a bunch of atheists were trying to tell me that they're good people, and I'm just like, what? I didn't think you would try to tell me you're a good person right now. I thought we were agreeing. Because I'm like... It, Yeah.
0: It's weird because if you're over here saying there is no good, there is no evil, it just is. Say that to somebody that's pointing a gun to your face, dude. Like, you're not, (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna understand evil real quick. It's easy to take that position from some kind of sheltered uh, place in your life, but like, man, if you're staring at the face of actual evil, you're not gonna wake up after picking yourself off the ground because some dude cold clocked you uh, and you're laying in the gutter and be like, yeah, he was just is, bro. That wasn't wrong of him. That was, he was living his truth, dude. Like, no, you're you're gonna feel completely different when acts of evil are committed against you or somebody that you love and you're it, it, so i wouldn't wish that upon yeah. anybody but if it happens you're not gonna say oh that was neither good nor evil you'll you'll <laughs> it's just weird that people take this position so so but like, then it's
1: a, but then it's also weird that they take the position that there is good and evil but there's no god like where do you get good and evil from if there isn't a god that determined what that was right like yeah like i think that ultimately their position is that it's like an inherent law of the universe but that's that's just not tr- like true there's no way to prove that it's not like gravity where i can drop a cup and a can and a bowling ball and they all fall the same right there's no test that you can do for good and evil but uh yeah it was it was just it was just hilarious i like i wasn't expecting to get attacked i thought i was saying something that they would agree with and then they started attacking me because i was you know I was saying that they don't believe in good or evil and that that's somehow a bad thing. It was just the craziest. Was
0: this like live comments on TikTok or like where was this? Uh, it was
1: it was uh, it was Twitter. It was on Twitter oh, okay. or X oh, who- now, I guess technically.
0: Well, we, um, appreciate free speech in this country and we encourage everybody to say what they feel is true and we're never gonna, uh, be upset with you for expressing what you feel to be uh, any kind of truth and that's why it's an evil or uh, equal playing field here. We say what
1: we believe and you say what you believe and that's what it is, right? (laughs) Yeah, uh, (laughs) it's crazy, but, uh, um, did we have anything else here, or did we want to move over to John? We're at about an hour and 50 minutes, just so you know. Yeah, let's
0: go ahead and move on over into John. And I think we're going to do um, chapter 4, verse 27. Okay. And the last time we left off, I believe when we were covering this, there was a little bit of issues with some translations. But just to kind of recap, um, in John four twenty-four, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, um, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And so he is implying here that you woman, are speaking to the Messiah. <laughs> so Amen. it's pretty, pretty interesting, right? And so we're going to be picking up at 427. And what do you want to read it or do you
1: want me I to can read it? it. Uh, want me to go to like 38 or do you want me to go all the way to, uh, 45? Let's go to 45. Okay. Uh, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast.
0: (sighs) Ah, So we have um, one one of the things. Um,
1: what does the word Christ mean? Uh, so is that Christ... his last name? <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's not his last name. Uh, and Christ is the anglicized, which just means uh, made into English. Uh, it's the anglicized version of Messiah. I I think I also know that it something or
0: I'm not sure if Messiah or Christ, but one of them kind of boils down to God's anointed.
1: Is that correct? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, so, uh, Jesus is Yeshua in Hebrew. And so that means salvation. And then, uh, Christ is Messiah Mashiach, uh, which is a specific figure that is seen in the old Testament. Uh, that will come and fulfill a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, the, the rabbinic Jews of today and the uh, temple Jews of that time actually believed that there were going to be two messiahs because of the two comings of Christ and how different they are. Uh, mm. But yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure exactly what messiah means. Let me, let me see. I know that messianic Jews call him
0: Yeshua HaMashiach. And I think, does that just mean um, Jesus the Christ?
1: Or Jesus uh, the yes. Messiah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I think are we still on okay. Uh if we look here at the etymology of Christ, so I, I just typed in etymology of Christ and it gives me this cool little tree and it gives you the origin. So uh in Hebrew it's mess- Messiah, basically uh what we would think of as Messiah. And then in Greek it's K H R-I-E-I-N, Crian, Crian? I I don't know. I have no idea how to uh, pronounce that. So then uh, when we see that in later versions of Greek, it's Christos, and then Latin turns it into Christus or Christus, and then Old English, it's Christ, and then we see it spelled Christ here today. Oh, man,
0: this means that... This means that languages evolve, and it's really hard to understand ancient
1: Greek and ancient (laughs) Hebrew. Well, and and that's the the problem. Uh, So, like, there's no one today that speaks ancient Greek. Like, we don't know what any of that sounded like. We have Greek speakers today, but the Greek of today is not at all what it was 2,000 years ago. Uh, It's almost a completely different language. Does it, not, does it not help as much to learn Greek
0: so that I could read the New Testament in Greek if everything was written in ancient Greek?
1: So you have to go learn uh, biblical Greek. That's oh. a specific kind of Greek that you have to learn in order to translate the Bible for yourself. So you're not going and learning. I think it's called Koine uh, because at the time that was Koine. I think it means something like universal. It was the uh, kind of the universal language or the trade language of the time. Um but yeah, so you're not gonna go if you're learning how to translate the Bible, you're not learning a language that you can go speak with a guy in the Mediterranean. Interesting.
0: Okay. Um let's see, we got a couple more minutes. Um uh, when he says uh <clears throat> in chapter four, verse thirty three, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? It's funny seeing their like they're not really discerning what he means (laughs) but then he says uh my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work and this is almost kind of like i'm uh he he, he hasn't gone into the wilderness i don't think but when when satan is tempting jesus in the wilderness he and he's telling him um, if you are the son of god then turn one of these breads or turn one of these stones or rocks into bread And he responds with, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so it kind of, this is always implied to me that you have a physical nature that is fed with food, and then you have like a spiritual nature that's fed with the will of God. And it, it it almost shined a light onto, there's a potential for you to be spiritually starving if you're not like or not fulfilled because you're not doing the will of God. And so it it would seem like God's plan for your life does something for you that food can't do. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yep. Amen. So that's always been that's always been really interesting to me. Almost like you have a
1: spiritual stomach. <laughs> yes, and and, then, and 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 that's uh, that's a huge issue with our world. Most people are absolutely starving spiritually. And so you see people acting In completely crazy and irrational ways because of how hungry they are you know you'll see people go and bow down to statues you'll see people sacrifice their children like just horribly awful and evil things because of how starving they are spiritually
0: yeah and um ultimately we see here that doing the will of god is what's going to feed you spiritually and I didn't, like, when I first became a Christian, that didn't change as far as me being spiritually fed, because I was still, God was still working on me to put down a lot of my sin, and it took, it took some time, but I'm getting to the point now where there's, like, a little bit of, like, I I guess I could say I have a little bit of, like, spiritual eyes to see what's going on, like, why i'm getting tempted to sin and then what that looks like in other people when they're when they're doing certain things and what that what issues that causes them and just all kinds of stuff i didn't realize what i was missing until i started being obedient to the word and stuff like that and yeah it's um it's definitely something that i would encourage everybody to do is read god's word and obey god's word because that that's the you know doing the will of god is um the food that jesus is just talking about here you know Mm-hmm. yep it's um not good if you profess the name of jesus christ as your lord and savior and you take his name in vain and just do whatever you want and remain in your sin or or let sin uh, because grace abounds that you continue to sin you know i um, sure there is forgiveness in jesus christ but you you really need to um, obey what you what you find. And he says, I'm not sure where, but um, why do you call me Lord if you do not do what I ask? And ultimately, if we call Jesus Lord, he is our master. He is the one we answer to. He is the one we take orders from. So especially if you were in like some military position, you wouldn't take orders and then disobey them. You would have a little bit of respect for the, th- the things being said and asked of you. And so that's what we have to do. We have to have the utmost respect in um, just revere the things that he's saying to do because we revere him do you know what i mean yeah if you love me you'll keep my commandments right (laughs) amen all right what else we got i think one or two minutes let me see if i can um okay um um in verse 35 do you not say yet there are yet four months then comes the harvest look i tell you lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Um, When Jesus is saying, um, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest, what does he mean as far as the harvest or what is is the the fields and what is the harvest there?
1: Yeah, so... um... I think that essentially what he's saying is is they're sitting by this well at this point, I believe, still, and they're probably looking back towards that where that woman went off towards the city, and and I think what he's saying is essentially that there's a whole city full of people that are ready to be harvested into the family of God, right? They're they're someone else planted the seeds, and it's you know your job to go in and and reap that harvest of of just you know, all these people that are are seeking after, you know, the wrong things now we can go harvest them and have them seek after the, the truth, the reality that is Jesus Christ. And so he, you know, he's talking about people when he's talking about that harvest, he's talking about souls and about people that are, are lost and wayward and, and that really just want to hear the, the sound of their shepherd and go to his, you know, call, go towards his voice.
0: Yeah, it's like God has been working on their hearts and on their minds, and they're ready to hear the gospel. And sure, you go out trying to spread the gospel, you're going to get the people who you couldn't tell weren't ready, and then you're not going to be able to tell the people that are ready. And so you basically just got to shoot your shot at everybody that you feel led (laughs) to to preach the gospel to. And there, there are going to be people that are not about it, but ultimately... Pray for that discernment and and pray that God put somebody in front of you. But at the same time, the the fields are white for harvest. Um, There are people that we don't know what their spiritual walk has been or what God has been doing in their life, and they're just ready to hear, like you said, the the, the shepherd's voice. And all it's going to take is you coming out and learning, um, or not coming out and learning, but going out and basically letting people know um, hey, there's hope and forgiveness for you in Jesus Christ. He, um, God became man and and died for our sins. And if we put our faith in Him, then we get to go to heaven. And there's there's a lot you can do to kind of look up apologetics and look at other faithful Christians who are preaching the gospel, and we can learn from them. I um I, I definitely was watching a lot of Ray Comfort from Living Waters, and um, nice. I I um it, it really it really just kind of helped me kind of have some tools going into it and then you can also put your own flavor onto it but i would encourage absolutely everybody to go out and preach the gospel to someone in your community maybe a neighbor a coworker at work god has put you in a position specifically to where the people around you are are how do i put this i don't really know if i got my job because God wants me to have employment or if there are people there that he wants me to witness to. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I live where I live because that's just where I happen to get into it or if there's some neighbors that could use the gospel. And so we we really just don't know. And there's nothing wrong with letting everybody know what the gospel message is. And they can take it or they can leave it. But it, it, you know, there's... it. Yeah, I, I just would encourage everybody to preach the gospel to somebody. Uh, if you've never done it before, there are a lot of videos that can help you kind of brush up on on what the Christian faith um, mm-hmm. you know, is and means and like how to do that. And so there's a lot of help that you can find. And then, yeah, there's also pastors and other uh, Christian brothers. So, yeah, I just want to encourage everybody to, if you've never done it before, um, preach it to somebody for the first time. If you have done it before, do it again and <laughs> do it again and again and again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>
1: absolutely and uh <clears throat> you know i i was as you were speaking i was kind of thinking about how uh so you know it, it said that there's these fields that are ready for harvest right it said i think it says white they're white and ready for harvest so it's talking about a specific grain probably wheat i believe um and that turns so, white when it's ready yeah well the top of it is like this fluffy like seed thing and so it's white right but uh you know when you when you look at at the woman at the well, she didn't show any signs of being you know ready to be saved, okay like she didn't she hadn't so you know she shows up she's still living with another man who she's not married to, she's had five previous husbands, she doesn't seem to be particularly repentant of that sin um you know so she wasn't ready to be harvested in any way that we could see, like she didn't become a better person. But her soul was ready, right? Like, she had lived under that sin for so long that the second she saw that there was another way, she grabbed at it, you know, and took hold of that and went and spread it to the rest of the town. So, you know, I I don't know what that all means exactly, but basically, like, people aren't going to be ready to be saved who you think might be ready to be saved, right? So, a lot of times the people that think that they're good people, that are living pretty good lives, they are comfortable you know those people might not necessarily be open to the gospel but the people who are at the the deepest depths of despair and living and wallowing in their own sin might be more open to it so it's you know it's not like our earthly brains will be able to tell us what looks ready to harvest god's going to kind of put us in the right fields to harvest that who he uh who he has for us to to harvest
0: what what just came to my mind Because when Jesus was speaking near the Pharisees and then they go, are you saying that we are blind? And he goes, if you were, uh, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but he was saying something like, if you, um, you're, if you were blind, then you wouldn't be guilty, but you are guilty because you say that you can see. And so it was, it was kind of put it like that, like, because you think there's nothing wrong with you, that's the issue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so yeah, it's. I think people who are living in sin know they're living in sin, and they haven't had anybody to tell them not to do that because there's only the culture affirming absolutely everything that they do. And, and so, if we don't have, if we're, you know, we're called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So if we're if we're not over here telling our community, hey, this isn't this isn't right, we shouldn't do this, then nobody's going to tell them, and the culture is only getting worse. Uh, like. It's just rampant
1: sin and encouragement of sin at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not so. Well, and and I, you know, I think that there have been a few great awakenings in this country in the past, and and I think we're uh, rearing up for a third great awakening. I I hope, at least that's what I hope for and pray, uh, rather than the alternative, which is us just slowly drifting completely away from Christ as a nation. So.
0: Yeah, I was watching a video pretty recently, and it was, um, I can't remember his name, but um, the dude is a motivational speaker, and he doesn't have any arms or legs, and he oh, basically Nick, uh, What's
1: his name? It's Nick Voyachich Nick V-U something. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what the name of his ministry is, but yeah, you can type, type in Nick and uh, Nick V, and you'll probably find him. And so this guy is a Christian motivational
0: speaker and he it, it, it basically goes around and says, he goes around and says like, you know, um, uh, you just have to check it out I guess I don't want to like butcher it or, or anything. But one of the things as Americans uh, that we have always heard is God bless America. And one of, one of the things he was saying is, how can we ask God to bless us when we are just living in open sin as a country and we have, like, laws that are um, enabling abortion and the killing of uh, innocent children in the womb? And he was basically saying, what I pray for right now is repentance of the entire country, that the entire country turn to God before we even ask for blessings, just that we repent and turn to Jesus. And I would love to see America become Jesus' land, to be completely honest. Amen. Look at uh, this guy! He's gonna do a little dive. Oh man!
1: He, <laughs> oh, I, let dude. me play that. <laughs> he, there, this guy's awesome. Okay, it's sorry. It was just kind of sitting there, so I wanted to, but uh, yeah. So it's Nick Vujicic. Vujic, I cannot pronounce that. V u j i c i c, and he has an organization called Life Without Limbs. And uh, I would highly recommend you check him out. He's, uh, wonder, he's got a wonderful heart for Christ. And, uh, you know, he's been through a lot of pain and suffering in his life, not having uh, any real limbs to speak of. Um, and he, he has you four know. four
0: children? Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. I'm, I mean, what's stopping you guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, he's, he's got a great story. Uh, I highly recommend uh, checking him out and seeing what he has to say. Um, but yeah, I know he goes around and speaks, um,
0: to kids at high school and he goes around to different churches and speaks, and it'd be really cool to see him at a church that we attend basically, um, just speaking and letting us know what he does and his messages and stuff. That'd be really cool.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Highly recommend if he's in your area, go check him out.
0: All right. So are we, are we ready to wrap up? I think we are.
1: We are. uh, We're at right about two hours and ten minutes, which is good. Uh, You know, we don't have to stick exactly to two hours, which is nice. Uh, But we don't want to make it too terribly long.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right, everybody. My name is Austin, and you can find my uh, personal stuff that I do at ApostlesAttic.com. And I will be trying to hopefully get some more stuff on a personal channel that's aside from Faithful dialogs where. I'm doing like video game stuff and just reactions and things like that. Um, And otherwise here you can catch
1: me on Faithful Dialogues and I'm with my buddy Ryan. Hey everybody, my name is Ryan. You can check me out over at AIIW.org. I got a bunch of uh, channels where I put out some videos and uh, yeah, uh, I hope that you enjoy them. Uh, So that's As It Is Written. That's what I do personally. And yeah, I'm excited uh, for next week's episode. So see you guys then. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.